0: Welcome to this episode of In My Truth. I have my friend Traven Nesta on the show, who I also know through Fit for Service, the Aubrey Marcus Fellowship, where, as you all know, who are regular listeners, I have a lot, a lot of friends from that tribe come on the show. He has been incredible lately at helping me interpret my dreams, and we have a big dream to go through today, and it's kind of just going to, it blew my mind, I'm sure it's going to blow your mind um but yeah let's let's jump in because it is it's juicy and it's fun and this stuff is really really interesting once you start to learn how to actually understand the emotions the feelings the symbols and everything that comes to us as we dream each night Traven hi thank you for coming on the show
1: hello you're so welcome it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here thank you for having me
0: i'm so excited we literally just got off an instagram live that i imagine is going to be on your will that be on your instagram profile
1: now yep, it's on my Instagram cool. profile. Okay,
0: amazing. So people can um, once you've listened to this episode, if you're interested in more of the dream interpretation stuff and the last dream we interpreted together, um, jump over onto your Instagram and and have a look. So we'll include that in the show notes. But um, I'm super excited today because the 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 IG live that we just did, we had already discussed the interpretation of the dream prior to us doing the live. Whereas this dream um, that we're going to talk about today is, uh, I haven't heard your interpretation of it. So I'm really excited to hear it. But before we play the dream, because I did voice note it to you beforehand, I'm going to play that for our listeners. Before we do that, tell us a little bit about you and what you do and how you got into all this dream interpretation stuff, because I'm so excited I skipped past that bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So about a year ago, I got, I dove into dream analysis and it absolutely took me by storm. Like once I started to really understand what dreams were, because for years and years and years, I had no idea. Occasionally I would have dreams here and there. I'd try to track them just because it, it felt like a thing that I should do, but I never really stepped into trying to understand what they were. And then as soon as I started to learn about them, I got addicted and I realized when I started to remember my dreams, which you just, you write it, keep a journal every single night, every morning you wake up and you write whatever you can remember within a month, you'll start to be able to remember all your dreams. And it's it's absolutely incredible. But what I realized through this experience was that I was connecting with this part of myself that I've been completely disconnected with. So remembering my dreams was like remembering a part of me. And I broke down into tears one day, realizing that I had just completely abandoned part of me for so many years it yeah. just, it was very emotional. Oh, um, I can imagine. Yeah. Then I just, I kept diving in and started to analyze them. And I realized that I have a very like strong passion for it. I love mm-hmm. it. I've always been a student of the psyche and just love navigating in, in psychology and understanding the depths of the unconscious and like diving between dynamics within people, within the world. And dreams are a perfect mirror for that. It's literally psychology and mirroring shadow aspects, conscious and unconscious. Um so I've stepped into it now I serve people I'm a dream coach I help people interpret and analyze their dreams mm-hmm. and um within a few months probably a month or two I'm going to be launching a 6 week uh dream course program that I will take people in and help them deep dive and understand how to really really work with dreams
0: Oh that's so cool cuz it is such a powerful tool and um I've always been a very vivid dreamer and I have a lot of dreams and regularly and I I guess when I was younger, I thought it was normal that people would just dream every single night because I feel like I, I do dream probably every single night. And sometimes they slip away faster in the morning <clears throat> than others. And obviously, I very much agree with you that the more practice I have of, I tend to speak mine out now to Joe, my husband, as soon as I wake up, Um, because we're just in that habit of asking each other now. And we find it both, both find it really fascinating. But I also had a practice for a while of like writing them down or what have you. And I have found that the more attention I bring to it, then it is easier to remember. And right. It's interesting right now because I'm pregnant and I don't, I'm not sleeping as well as I usually do. So I usually wake up, I go to sleep from like, Um, somewhere around eight or nine in the evening. And I wake up usually at one or two and I often have a couple of hours awake and then I fall asleep again. So now I get like two (laughs) dreams a night, which is really interesting. And I usually in those hours where I'm awake, in the middle of the night, I like make sure I like really remember that first dream. And I go through it a few times in my mind and try to do my own analysis so that I could tell Joe in the morning. And then, yeah, usually I've got two for him now a day.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and that's, that's powerful. Like dream data is what I call it is some of the most powerful data because it's, it's reflecting back to us things that are outside of our awareness. So if we gather all of this data and then we have someone help us to interpret it, it's like finding lost parts of ourselves which can help us heal and evolve at a tremendous rate. It's like when you have a dream analyzed, it's kind of like that light bulb feeling where you're like, wow, you know, like that epiphany You're like, holy shit, how did I not see that? How did I not understand that? And then because of that, you're instantly able to integrate it and to change your life. It's wild.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the one that we just analyzed on Instagram live was around, um, you know, there was that theme when you talk about dream data where for the last six to 12 months I've been dreaming about going into spaces and homes and as if I'm like house hunting or whatever. And you explained to me that that was related to um, like kind of moving on in my life in, in terms of consciousness or inner growth or my inner world. I was exploring my inner world and sort of looking for what was next and what fit and what made sense. And then it culminated in the dream that you and I analyze, which was perfect timing for me because I was, I was blocked on a leadership handover in my company, Grow My Team. And I, I really hadn't realized that I'd blocked it. Like I started talking with Ren, who's stepping into the CEO role a few months earlier, and then we'd kind of stopped talking about it. And I know when I had that dream and then you helped me analyze it, I understood that, oh shit, I'm in that fear state and I'm not moving ahead because I've got, and it's amazing how we just, um, distract ourselves from yeah. the obvious. And then that dream yeah. was, was really my like inner psyche knocking on the door saying, Hey, remember we're doing this thing. You need to keep going. You need to keep moving. And, um, and very soon after her and I had another conversation and we've picked it up and we we're moving all along again. So it's really, really helped me. Um, so I wanted to say thank you on that, but, um, yeah, <laughs> So yeah, lovely. let's. Yeah, let's um, play. So I voice noted you this particular dream about. I feel like it was about two weeks ago now. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to play it now for our listeners, and then um, we'll jump back in and analyze it. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about my dream that I had last night. I'll see if I can track it all. So, from what I can remember the start of it, I was in a car that I knew to be the car of a friend of mine in Australia, a girl called Amy that I actually haven't seen or spoken to for a long time. But I was seemingly borrowing her car for a period of time while maybe I was back in Australia or something like that, I'm not sure. But I definitely felt like I was somewhere Um, where I was needing to borrow a car. So I was in the car and I was in a car park, like an outdoor parking lot, um, pulling out and, you know, where there's like the rows of the cars. And then I was pulling out of there and then getting onto the road and I saw a car coming toward me who had in the car my dad's old business partner and his personal assistant. Um, And then just to hop out of the dream quickly. So my dad's my dad passed away in 2013. My dad's old business partner is someone that I worked with and for some time cuz I worked with my dad before I started my own companies and we never got on very well at all, me and this particular man. So anyway, he was back into the dream. He was in the car and he he was in this other car coming toward me. And and I was on the right side of the road and they were coming toward me and, and they looked kind of confused, like, what are you doing? And then I realized, oh, shit, I'm meant to drive on the other side of the road because I'm in Australia. Um, so I moved to the left side of the road and, and kept driving. And then I had this feeling that I wanted to let them know, like, what had happened because I thought it was kind of funny and that I've been living in the US for five years and now I forget which side of the road to drive on, some kind of context like that. So, I tried to call him, my dad's business partner, from like my car phone. So, it was going to go through the speakers um, and I couldn't, yeah, I don't know if it was like, I feel like I was using the, the car to like call. Um, anyway. I couldn't get onto him, so I called his personal assistant, who was in the car with him. I was like, I have to call her and tell her. And then it kind of felt like when she answered, she was in my car, um, and I told her this this the reason why I was coming at them on the right side of the road and had to move because I've been living in the U.S. and I don't know, but there definitely felt like there was some need to explain myself, explain why I had been driving on the wrong side of the road or the other side of the road. Then I feel like I was just driving along on a normal road in this car and I was going to visit like work and my dad, but it didn't feel like um, I worked with my dad. It felt like I was kind of going back to visit and still do my own work and my own company, but I was going to work from there for the day or, or whatever it was. So, then what I can remember, I don't really know how it transitioned, but from then what I can remember is that I was at this big office building that also had like a shopping centre or something. So, it was almost like a shopping mall and then you would go to this other section which was where the commercial element of the building was and that's where I would go to my dad's office. And I feel like I went back and forwards to that office a few times and it was like I would have to go through this certain part of the shopping centre, which kind of looked like an open, almost like a food court or whatever. And then I would go up this elevator and down this long hallway. And my dad's office was number 787 and it was on the left. And it was just a small little office with just one desk. And I feel like there was a part of the dream where I was kind of just doing things like going there and working and going back and I don't know. Um, and then at one point I was in the office and I looked down at my feet underneath the desk and there was a snake there and the snake was like, um, pretty, like I wasn't scared of it, but I didn't want it to be there and it was a pretty ugly looking snake as far as snakes go. It was just a normal size, but it was kind of like black or brown and like. You know, it wasn't cute or anything. It was, like, very, like, snakeish, <laughs> And I was like, oh, I need to get my dad to help me get this snake out of here. And so I, I shut the office door. I walked out, shut the door so the snake would stay. And then I went – I feel like I went to – I don't remember specifically, but, like, a little kitchen or something, and I got some salt. And I came back to the office because I knew that the salt would, like – poison the snake or uh, no, 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 no. I knew the salt would um, stop the snake from being poisonous. And I put the salt on the snake's head and then it was like opening its mouth and it was like writhing. I could see it was in pain, but I knew that it wasn't poisonous. So then I shut the door again with the plan to go and find my dad to help me get the snake out. And then I was walking down the hallway and then I had to go back because I felt so bad for this poor snake that I had left it in pain. I was like, even though I don't want the snake in here, like I don't want to hurt it, you know, I know it's not trying to hurt me. So I got a bottle of water and I went back, this is so weird, I guess dreams are always weird. I feel like every time I tell a dream story, I'm like, oh my God, I had the weirdest dream, but they're all weird. So I go back into the office, I pour water over the snake so that the salt just like melts and dissolves off and the snake calms down and I feel better about myself because, you know, I didn't really want to cause it pain, I shut the door. And I go back out about my day to see if I can find my dad to help me get rid of this snake. So then, somehow, the next part I remember is that I'm in another part of the building and I can either see through a window or a screen that my dad has arrived in the building. So I'm watching him arrive, but I'm not in the same room as him. I'm not right there. So I can't just reach out and talk to him. And I see him. Walk in, and then I'm going to jump out of the dream for a second as well to explain something that I think is relevant. But my dad, um, in real life, was not into like fashion or clothes at all. And in his personal life, he would just wear like very kind of, um, daggy. Like that's an Australian word, but like just t-shirts and shorts, and just like he didn't care what he looked like. Right, old like <laughs> kind of clothes, like he didn't really care. And then when he would go to work, he would always be wearing like the work clothes that you're meant to wear, like shirts and slacks and stuff. But they didn't look, they never really looked that good on him because they were always like, I don't know, just poor quality and not the right fit. And that was my dad's style. But in this moment in the dream, he was walking where I watched him and I don't know why it was significant, but he looked so good and he had a pair of like chinos on and this really nice knitted sweater. So, he was kind of dressed like smart casual, I would call it. So, it felt like it was some hybrid between him, how he, like I'm back in the dream now, how he was in his real life about like he liked to be comfortable and he didn't really care what he looked like. But then, you know, he lived in this world where he had to wear suits sometimes. And I don't know, he, it felt like significant that when I was watching him come in, he looked really comfortable And he had this really nice sweater on and I felt happy. I was like, oh, he looks so good. And like the style that he's wearing just looks, he looks comfortable and smart and almost like he'd found, I don't know, he'd found through his clothes an expression of like he felt good. Weird. So anyway, I know he's in the building. I've seen him with my own eyes. I can't remember if it was through a window or a screen, but I knew he was there and I was like, right, I'm going back up to the office now. So I go through the shopping centre again, and, and when I was walking through the shopping centre to find the hallway to his office, you know, it always would feel a little bit like I would be trying to navigate it, and then I would, like, remember. I'd be like, oh, yes, th- those are the shops, and it's through that that hallway or whatever, and then I would find my way. So I get to the elevator, and for some reason, this time, I have to call up to my dad's office to get up there, to get let in the elevator. You know how those some elevators, you can't just press the button? It was like they had to let me, know one was answering, no one was answering. And I was like, I'll oh, just try. So I go, there was someone came along and opened the elevator. So I went in and I tried to press floor seven and it didn't, it didn't um, light up. So I just got out of the elevator and then someone else came into the elevator and pressed um, the row of numbers along the top was seven, eight, nine, ten, And they pressed all four of them and they were all lit up. And somehow I could see this from outside the elevator. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go in and pretend that Oh, look, wow, my number's already pressed, so I'm just going to write up. So definitely in my dream there was this feeling of like hopefully I'll just get away with just getting in and riding off this other person's um, car, swipe card or whatever ability to get up to this floor. So I go in and this person that's in the elevator is like a police officer, um, which I notice, And then I noticed behind me, this is so strange, um, this police officer has like a stroller, a baby stroller, and it's got a covering over the top and so I can't see the baby and then he moves the covering off and there's another police officer in there who's like dressed up as a baby. (laughs) And so in my mind in the dream, I was like, it was like he was undercover as a baby, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't expect to see that. Like, I actually spoke those words, and I was kind of laughing, but they weren't really laughing with me. And then I looked again, and it was more like a wheelchair, and what I thought was the cop, this, this second cop dressed up undercover, maybe was actually a disabled person, but I couldn't quite tell. And I was like, oh, and I felt like, kind of awkward, but I wasn't sure. And then I just left the elevator. So I have no fucking idea what that means. But that just happened in the elevator. So then I'm back on the the seventh floor walking down the same familiar um, hallway to my dad's office, knowing that my dad's now in the building and I'm going to go and find him. And I walk past, um, and I hear, I walk past a particular bigger office that's on the right and I hear my dad's voice. And for a minute I was like, kept walking. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's back there. And I realized that that was his business. And those business partner and um, personal assistant from earlier, plus all of the staff and stuff were in there. And my dad was like stopping by on his way to his office to kind of say good morning and have a chit chat with everyone. I could just hear him like laughing, jovial, just happy, having a good time with everybody. And from my memory, I just I just stood outside and I was like waiting for him to say goodbye. Interestingly, I was watching him and I I think he didn't have that nice sweater on anymore. He had more like what he used to wear around the office in real life, just this like ill-fitting office attire. But he still seemed kind of happy and I don't know. And I was just waiting outside to speak to him and then I don't think I ever got to, like that, I don't, nothing happened from there that I remember. Next thing I know, I was leaving the office building. So, I never went back to my dad's office, never actually saw my dad, never got to hug him, never dealt with the snake, none of that. It Just the next thing from, from standing outside and waiting for him, the next thing I remember was leaving the building. And as I'm leaving the building, there's like three um, people Sitting at like a reception desk, and behind one of the people, there's another person who's a friend of mine, whose mum has recently passed away. And I see him. I was like, "Oh, you're here!" And the person responded. And then I realized it wasn't actually him; it was his sister. And I was like, "Oh, you know, you're not. He's not here. You're here. Well, if he comes, can you can you let me know because I want to see him." I started talking to her, and then I started asking her, "How are you doing? How are you going?" how are you coping with your mum's passing? And then I started giving, like, advice to her about how I coped with my dad's passing and that, you know, you never really get over it but you do learn to live with it and the pain will still be there but you will become more accustomed to, I don't know, living with it. And while I was telling her this, it was more like she was, like, a face down in the ground that I was down on the floor um, of this building that I was like looking – she was looking up at me and I was looking down um, As at, and telling her this stuff. Um, and then I just kind of – and she was like, thank you, thank you and like crying a little bit and, you know, it was like a loving exchange between two people who don't really know each other very well but have a, sh- a shared experience. And then I was like, "If when your brother gets here, let me know because I want to – I've been meaning to catch up with him and then I just left. And the only other weird thing – that I remember that happened after that was like I was back downstairs in the shopping mall part of this building and a woman came up who in the – dream, I don't know who she was in my real life. She's not anyone I really know but she was like a friend or something or an acquaintance in the dream and she came up to me and started talking to me about my plans for my birth of my child and – um, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a home birth, and I'm really excited." And she started laughing at me in kind of a um, like, kind of like an evilish. It felt like like a sarcastic or evil way. And then she, not evil, but yeah, like sarcastic way. And then she was like, "Oh yeah, let's talk about that after you've had it." <laughs> this is like. Um, Oh my god, sharing dreams is like so vulnerable sometimes because like it's so weird and then you're like, yeah, but I I dreamed it. It was me. <laughs> anyway, so she she's laughing at me sarcastically and she says, um, yeah, we'll talk about it after you've had the home birth and the state of your vagina and your body and it's all going to be like wrecked because you're doing it without a hospital or med- medicine or whatever. She's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, all of the problems that people have with birth and with, you know, stretching and tearing and different things like that are often as a result of hospital intervention. And she was like, oh, yeah, we'll see. And then and I felt like she just does not understand me. And then I set, set like a boundary with her and I was like, listen, I will talk to you about it after the birth, but I will only talk to you about it if you read these three books That and I listed off the books that I have read um, that I, so that we're talking about the same thing, so that you have the information that I have that have led me to this decision. Um, And then that was it, which also, by the way, is kind of relevant in my real life because I have decided to home birth, and obviously, not everybody agrees with that. And so, so sometimes I do have to set boundaries that are very much the exact same boundary that I set. In the dream, um, but that was that's the end of the dream. That's the end of what I can remember. So it, it felt um, significant. Like I dream a lot, and like I said to you the other day when we were chatting, like you know, next time I have a one that feels significant, I'll share it with you. So yeah, I'm super curious to hear um, what you said, and I think I've shared enough in there about how different parts of the dream made me feel. Um, but I definitely felt like I was, there was this energy of, I was my own self running my own business, doing my own thing, like choosing to be there, but there was this element of the fact that I was back with my dad and my dad's company and this kind of past element of my life um, you know some of people whom which i did never really resonate with in real life and i kind of knew that in the dream as well but i kind of felt that i was there on on my own accord i don't know i look forward to dissecting this with you and hearing what you think all right so that was my dream from a couple of weeks ago um i do not know what you're going to say about it <laughs> and i'm very curious um so I guess we're all going to be exploring this together, my listeners and me. And I mentioned on the recording as well that like there is a real vulnerable aspect of sharing your dreams with people because, um, you know, I, I find myself sometimes saying like, oh, I had the most weirdest dream last night. But like knowing full well that I created that dream, it came from me <laughs> So that's the vulnerable piece. But anyhow, let's dive in. So tell me, tell me what yeah, you Yeah, it's
1: like it's like opening the door to the insides of your inner world. It's so mm-hmm. vulnerable. So, yeah. <laughs> but, so you're a champ. And first of all, I want to speak to like the ability that you have at remembering dreams. Like the level at which Sarah remembers her dreams is it's not it's not typical. It's very unique, and she remembers these like long, expansive movie dreams, which are sometimes very challenging, but packed with incredible information. So this was this is fun and challenging to do. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys today.
0: Yeah, I think part of the hard thing for me is like trying to because trying to track it. Like, there's a lot usually, and um, we talked talked on the Instagram live about like what are the important bits to kind of get at because sometimes I'm like, is that important or not? And I guess uh, you can explain a little bit more about how that. That might be sorted through for people, but maybe other people don't dream as or remember as vividly as me. But yeah, okay, let's dive in. Tell me,
1: yeah, and as I the way that I
0: in a world yeah. is all about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and the way that I analyze and interpret dreams is I, I try. I like to teach how to do it as I'm doing it. So I'll explain the different pieces that I pay attention to and kind of how to walk through and, and think about working with your dreams. Amazing. All right. Thank so you. the first part. This was broken into. I think it was like seven seven parts or something like that. Um, so the first part you, the dream starts with you driving in your friend's car from Australia, right? So first off, anytime that we have a dream with someone that we recognize from our past or a location from our past, that's telling us that this dream is pointing to this time period. That means pay attention and think about your life when you knew this person or think about your life when you lived in this house or when you lived in this country, et cetera. That helps mm-hmm. us to kind of pinpoint where the energy is originated, where the blockage originated and Mm -hmm. how to think about working through the energy that needs to be healed or integrated. Mm.
0: So that was like way back when I, thinking about the friend's car that I was in and also the people, uh, which you'll get to in a minute, I think who were in the other car. It was like way back when I worked with my dad. So this was like before I became an entrepreneur even.
1: Yeah. And so what happens, that's really important to know. Because what happens, think of it, I'm going to use the word trauma as an energetic block, a blockage of energy, not necessarily like a traumatic, like physically traumatizing or emotionally traumatizing event, but when Mm. there was a blockage of energy. So what this is telling us is that that time period, something happened that was so powerful that led to an energetic block that was impacting your ability to show up in perfect harmony within yourself. Mm. And when we have emotional blockages, those show up in the present moment. That's why your dream is showing you this because in the present moment, when you had this dream, this is the most important information for you to know, to find better harmony in your life. And the blockage, even though it was from your past, is still impacting you in the present time. Cool. Mm -hmm. So the next thing is that whenever you see somebody in the dream, first of all, sorry to go back a second is everybody, absolutely everybody. And everything in your dream is an aspect of yourself. Everybody. So although this is a friend of yours from your past, since it was a woman.
0: Yeah. She wasn't actually in the dream. I just knew that I was in her car, but then I saw okay. those other two. I saw um, my dad's ex-business partner and yeah. Okay. I wouldn't call that. Yeah. So friends. anytime
1: you you see somebody or you, you are thinking of somebody from a dream, you have to ask yourself, what does this person represent to me? And ask you, mm-hmm. like, close your eyes and think of the first three words, characteristics or ideas that come to mind because your psyche is using that person to reflect an energy that's alive within yourself. So it's not speaking necessarily about those people. It's putting this person there to reflect back that energy to you. Um, So men in women's dreams are typically an aspect of your masculine. Sometimes they're called the animus, which Carl Jung likes to say is like the, the masculine aspect of the soul, because everybody has masculine and feminine and to find harmony typically feminine women need more masculine to balance out and to find harmony so their their animus will show up in their dream as a male. Mm-hmm. But I try to typically stick to either feminine or masculine and not necessarily saying anima or animus because it's not always true. So mm-hmm. this man is an aspect of your shadow masculine. That's what he's mm-hmm. representing to you and so you're borrowing your friend's car and a car represents your ability to navigate your spiritual path at a good pace. And any time in a dream, when you are navigating at a certain speed, so maybe you're walking or you're, you're riding your bike or you're in a car or you're in a plane, the speed at which you're moving forward is the speed at which you're navigating your spiritual path. path. So a car means that you're navigating at a really good pace, but here you needed to, you told me in the dream that you, you had this energy of like needing to borrow someone's car. Mm -hmm. And that energy tells me that perhaps that you don't feel comfortable navigating in your own car metaphorically back in this time period, and you needed to borrow someone else's. And Mm. that could be speaking to an identity or a path in life, um, but specifically in in regards to business, it seems. Mm. So then moving along and stop me at any time, if you'd like to, to dive deeper, of course, but So there's some things coming to me
0: about what, yeah. yeah, Okay. Keep going. I'll, I'll I'll reserve for a moment. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We could do each one, each part, and then we can, Mm -hmm. we can dive in and then we can go part by part. How's that sound? -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So I'll, I'll tell you when this, this part was finished. So you're in the car and you are kind of in a parking lot and you're turning onto a road. So you take a right onto a road and you notice a car coming towards you that had your dad's old business partner and his assistant and you told me that you didn't get very you didn't get along very well with them and the emotions and the energy of the dream are very very important to pay attention to so this is really good that you shared that so as you take a right onto the road in the dream so in a dream anytime you're taking a right or you're you're looking at the right side of something it's representing service to others and if you think about it the masculine is all about giving and the right arm and the right hand is your ability to give love Your left hand is feminine and your left side is your ability to receive love. So when you turn right, it's your, it represents service to others. And when you're turning left or in the left side, it's service to self, which is egoic versus service to the world. You know, so it's like ego versus non-ego, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm. And
1: you take a right, which represents your service to others. So now you're on the path of service to others, but you were forced back to take a left onto the other side of the road, which is service to self. Because your your dad's old business partner and his, his assistant were actually coming towards you on that road. And it turned out that you were back in Europe and you were supposed to be driving on the left side anyways.
0: In Australia. Um, mm-hmm.
1: In Australia. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, mm.
1: so what does that mean? I, <laughs> so I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> 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 so your dad's old business partner is representing an, aspe- an aspect of your masculine. Um, so you have to ask yourself, what does he represent to you? You know, and it's very uncomfortable. So he's a part of your shadow, masculine, a yeah. part of yourself that you don't like a part of yourself that you don't necessarily get along with. Right. So you're driving in opposite directions. And you think of two cars coming at each other. There's a, there's a chance and a possibility for a collision. So this is speaking to a tension between aspects of yourself within you that can lead to a collision that there's these two opposing forces within you. This part of you that wants to serve others and this part of you that's judging you for wanting to serve others, making you feel bad, like you need to get into the left side. You need to go back into service to self. Um, so mm-hmm. the version of you that made you feel bad, this, this masculine version of you on that side of the road made you feel like you had to explain yourself afterwards. You felt the need, like you were embarrassed or whatever, and you needed to call him to explain like, look, that wasn't intentional. It's, it's my mistake. I was in the United States. I didn't know any better. So that, that disconnect, the energy inside of you is um, it's causing you to drive in the service to self lane and to feel guilty and shameful about it. So it's like, get off the, the right side of the road, get back to the left side of the road. And you felt this need to explain yourself. So if you tried to call him to explain, calling someone in a dream on the phone represents you're your trying to, to communicate with that person on the other end. So whoever's on the phone, so this tells us that there's an insecurity in your relationship with this aspect of yourself with your masculine shadow aspect of your masculine and you try to call him you're trying to communicate with him but he doesn't answer which reflects how you're trying to communicate and connect with this version of you but he's not answering
0: mm.
1: and that was complete for that first part
0: mm-hmm. okay okay so what is coming to me on this is um, I the company that's Developing the software of my um, platform, Grow Motely, that we're launching, as organizations, we're very different. And I think that that's been discovered along the way, and the alignment isn't there in the way that we work together. And what I've been trying to navigate the last couple of weeks is how to have the conversations because I'm not getting the outcomes that I want. But, and it's so interesting because I think of who I was back then at that time in my life. I was the shadow part of my masculine. I was aggressive, rude. Um, If something wasn't going well that I needed in my business world, I would be just like probably pretty awful about trying to get the outcomes that I needed and pretty rude to people and like do things like kind of maybe abusive. I don't know. Like I would be on the phone and just be like, I'm not getting off the phone until we resolve this or like give me your manager or like that was kind of the behavior I employed Ten years more than ten years ago, actually, to get what I wanted, to get things moving, to get things happening, I had very low tolerance for people, um, much less emotional um, intelligence or whatever you call like empathy and compassion for other people. And so, what I've been trying to navigate is like the situation I'm in right now is bringing up these feelings. Actually, and I mean, in almost all of my business dealings for a very long time, they're very harmonious and. So it's been very confronting for me because I'm trying to figure out how to navigate getting an outcome without reverting to, you know, very old shadow masculine type behaviors that I know don't serve me anymore. and but I I do feel frustrated. And I think what I'm trying to understand because I generally in my life try to look for alignment and avoid being in situations where we're really out of alignment because then we just don't have to conflict. And I'm pretty good at managing conflict or challenge um, when there's alignment because everybody's kind of cool and on the same page. And what I'm trying to navigate right now is like um, how to have these conversations, how to get these outcomes. And I'm doing it in front of my team. Like I've built this brand new team who I'm the leader of and I'm really wanting to set an example for them. And what's really funny is I think it was about that time that I got on a Zoom call with this particular company's team and they all had their cameras off and I passively, aggressively threw these comments out about how it would be really nice if people would put their cameras on and like it's normal in twenty. 20 to put cameras on and afterwards I was like that was so low and I ended up writing to their company an apology for the way that I had acted and that that wasn't very cool and my team had like I wrote it publicly so their team and my team could see it um, and to own my shit and not not be an asshole like that Um, so it's just interesting because I have been navigating this part of myself that wants to just explode which is unfamiliar for me of late in the last couple of five years or whatever. so
1: Yeah. And I didn't write too much about this part, but at the end of that, that first part, you weren't able to communicate with that masculine version of you. So you ended up calling his assistant, which is an Mm -hmm. aspect of your feminine. So it's like there's a block with your ability to communicate with your masculine and that you have to go through your feminine.
0: Yes. And this is a thing that I struggle with now that I am more into my, in touch with my feminine is sometimes like, finding that way to hold a strong boundary still, um, in a, in a, in a healed strong masculine sense. And I think that's what I've been navigating, which is so interesting. Okay. This Perfect. is just part one of seven.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So part two. So now you're, you're originally, you were headed to your father's office. You're going to go work with your father. So now you're at this massive office building and it's kind of like a shopping mall kind of thing. And anytime you're in a structure and there's like a lot of space, The space is speaking to the expansiveness of your soul. So since this is a really big building, this means that you've done a lot of work in this area in terms of business in, in this dream, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And you went through a food court to get to the office up the elevator and you went down a long hallway um, and the office was on the left side and there was one desk in the office. Right? So a food court, and it was just briefly stated, but the food court is somewhere that you eat food and in a dream Food represents spiritual nourishment. So you pass through the the space where you get spiritual nourishment, which is suggesting that there's a lot of spiritual growth if you figure out how to analyze the stream. Mm -hmm. So the office is on the left side. Again, service to self, which is egoic. So it's telling us that there's something self-serving, egoic, or, or not in alignment with the greatest good that's happening, that's being pointed to and trying to reflect back to you. So just like in a house where all the rooms represent an an aspect of your psyche, the same is true for a building. So each office represents an aspect of your your psyche, but specifically in relation to your business work, right? So we're in an office. So this is saying there is an aspect of your psyche and we're about to tell you what what needs to be done inside of that, that part of you. So the desk is where you sit down to do your work, right? And all of a sudden you look down and there's this snake under your desk and you're freaking out. You're like, well, I'm not really afraid of it, but it's kind of ugly and I don't want it to be there. And you said it was either black or brown. So the snake under the desk is pointing to your relationship with work and perhaps your relationship with working with your father. Um, So snakes, just like everything in a dream, represents an aspect of you. A snake typically represents like many different things such as like transformation or rebirth, but also venom. And in in this specific scenario, it's pointing to venom because you said it was ugly. It was very snake-like and there was this friction energy. So this, you mentioned that it may have been black and, and black represents excess. So this part of you is venomous. It's excessive mm. venomous. There's anger most likely and things that you're kind of alluding to before. Um, and again, so dream. everything in your dream is an aspect of you and animals typically represent like either your primal nature and or your inner child. Um, and the snake is representing and reflecting back some of your venomous aspects. And you said you weren't quote unquote, you weren't scared of it, but you didn't want it to be there. So this is, this is literally the embodiment reflecting your relationship with this part of you. When you feel to know, feel annoyed with this aspect, this venom, this venomous aspect of you, this part of you, and you feel you might be a little too much to handle you. Okay. So this is where I have to explain a little bit. Sorry. Pause on that. So you, you're like, shit this snake is venomous. I don't know what to do with the snake. I don't want it here. So you run and you grab salt to throw on the snake because you knew that throwing salt on the snake would make it less venomous, correct?
0: Mm -hmm. And I was like going to kill it or like quiet it down. Then I felt really bad. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so then you throw snake on the wound. So this is, this is all just symbolic of how you're relating with this part of you. So you Mm. go, you grab this salt And you put salt on the wound. You're like, I don't want this here. So you throw salt on it, which ends up harming you even more. You you hurt and you harm this aspect of yourself even more. And then you feel bad. You're like, shit, I need to go get my father to help me. And that was the intention the whole time. You're like, I need to find my father to help me. But Mm -hmm. you started to try to solve the problem yourself. You grabbed salt. You made the wound worse. You hurt the snake. Then you felt bad. You wanted to go get your father. And you went to leave. You locked it in the room. And you're like, okay, I can't leave it in there with salt suffering. So you went, you felt bad, you grabbed water, and you threw it on the snake. And then you're like, oh, thank God. The snake didn't want to hurt me. I didn't want to hurt the snake. You know, now it's all better. Lock the snake up again, and you try to go find your father again, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So now let's take this back. This is representing an aspect of you. And this is showing your exact relationship with this part of you. So when you feel annoyed by this part of you, and you feel you might be a little too much to handle, You throw salt on yourself. You make it worse. You wound yourself even more, causing pain and suffering. But then you feel bad that you're causing this pain to yourself. You grab water and you throw the water on it to calm yourself down again. Mm. And you even mentioned how you feel better about yourself after putting, this is a quote, after you feel better, you feel better after putting water on it because you never wanted to cause pain to it. And you know that it wasn't trying to cause you pain. (laughs) So to continue with this, each time you were to close the door, you're basically locking up the trauma that needs to be healed in that part of your psyche. You're like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Let me go get my father. Close the door, lock in the pain, the trauma, the suffering. Uh, So your pattern is wanting it to be gone, locking up the trauma, getting salt, making it worse, locking it up again, then coming back one more time with a bottle of water because you feel bad, and then locking it up again. Mm. So All the while, your first instinct and thought was that I need to get my father to handle this. And this is representing your inner father. It's your archetypical father, but also because whatever's inside is reflected outside, it's also probably the same or similar relationship that you had with your father as well. Mm -hmm. So I need to get my father to handle this. But instead of doing that, you actually started to handle it yourself first. But each time you kept thinking you need your father. And this is representing this lack of trust within yourself and dependence on your, your father inside and externally in the world. So this inability to trust your feminine, to handle the problem, feeling that you need to lean on your, your archetypical father and that father energy and and feeling like he would solve the problem. And since this took place in the office, then this tells me it's reflecting your relationship with your work and perhaps how you show up in your business to some extent, very venomous or very strong, making matters worse, things like that. Um, and again, everyone in your dream is representing an aspect of you. So your father is representing your, your inner fatherly masculine energy. And this is telling us that in the workplace, you often needed your masculine to support you when times got scary. You would try to handle it a few different ways, but it never felt really good enough. And you still needed to depend on your masculine. Um, and it also shows us the way that your feminine handles the situation wasn't necessarily the best. And so you feel you need your masculine to solve the problem.
0: hmm Yeah. And I think what's coming to me with this is hmm, like I've surrounded myself by really incredible people in my team and in all of my business dealings, which is definitely the objective. But in some regards, it's like I've been a little bit buffered and sheltered from challenging relationships in my work world to some degree. And I'm, I'm now experiencing one that is, um, reflective of like just how I used to do business a lot of the time. I really just thought that everything was like a fight to get, to get what you needed, to get things moving, to get things happening. And so I'm experiencing something like that again, but obviously with a much different, you know, in a much different place, spiritually, emotionally as a leader, but feeling some of that venom rising and not quite knowing how to handle or navigate, like how do I actually get the outcome? Um, the father thing is really interesting as well because my dad avoided conflict at all costs. And um, my perspective of his business partner was much more of like, just had a lot more conflict. And the way they kind of operated together was that my dad was the yes man and he was the, he just bulldozed everything. Um, that's my perspective, which is relevant to my dream. I'm not saying that's what their real life was. Only they can speak to that. But um, yeah, it's curious. It's like the two parts of me, the part that that's how I've felt in this. I've felt very, um, do I want to bulldoze or do I roll over? And I couldn't, I haven't been able to seem to find this middle ground. That's neither that's holding a boundary firmly, but lovingly and moving through it. And I'm trying. And I think There's this part of me as well, like maybe the self-serving bit is like my ego want I want to be a really good leader. I want to impress my team with how fucking evolved I am, you know, (laughs) and like navigate this so that they're like, oh my God, Sarah, you're amazing. And I'm struggling to do that. So I'm very like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, whoa, I'm like I feel like I'm kind of far from just like whatever my truth and integrity and alignment is. And I'm so busy trying to manage everybody what everybody else thinks of me. Mm, maybe powerful yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that feels right to me you said it and (laughs) it felt exactly right to me um another thing that i want to mention here that i think is very fascinating about dreams is that oftentimes i'll do an analysis for people and they'll be like okay now what like now how do i make the change what do i have to do how do i use this information and i had this download working with ayahuasca a few months ago where she showed me So bear with me, this is a little confusing, but in order to heal something, healing is awareness. Awareness is light, right? So most people don't remember their dreams. And if you don't remember your dreams, then that aspect of your psyche is staying in the dark. It's staying unconscious without your awareness. So you're just not seeing that part of your psyche that's trying to be reflected back to you. So now just simply remembering your dreams without doing any analytical work, without understanding how to work with them, just by writing them down and remembering them, you are now bringing awareness to that part of your psyche that's being reflected back to you. You're bringing your light of awareness and that in itself is already healing you. Simply remembering your dreams is healing that part of you. It's, it's bringing the light to that part of your psyche that then will bring experiences to you in your life to make the healing possible. We don't do healing. We show up for the the choices in our present moment. And when we choose in a higher octave, the healing is done. Mm -hmm. So by becoming aware of these aspects within our psyche that are outside of our awareness, we then give permission for that experience to be presented to us again for the healing to be done. So becoming aware of your dreams allows the healing process to be sped up because you're now aware of the types of things that you'll be encountering that need to be done. Mm -hmm. And then when you take it one level deeper and you actually do the analytical work, then you are diving even deeper into the specific parts to help you navigate those situations in a better way when you do come face-to-face with them. Because you'll Mm -hmm. understand how you've interacted with those situations in in the past and the different dynamics that were created. So you'll have more data points in terms of how to effectively navigate that experience as it presents itself.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: Cool. So third part. So now this is like a short, this was like a short little piece and you're just randomly at a window or a screen and you see your father arriving to the building and um, you notice that your father like, or no, then you, you told me, you mentioned how your father wasn't really into fashionable clothes. He would kind of just, he'd wear work clothes, but he didn't look, they didn't look good on him. He didn't really care. Um, But in this moment in the dream, he looked really good and you were like very emotional about it. You're like, wow, he looks so good. He feels really good. He's wearing these like beautiful chinos, a nice knitted sweater. And the energy that was in your voice when you shared that told me that this was like powerfully impacting on you. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, he looks so good. Um, And the scene's like really important because it's showing us that you have this deep desire for your inner father, your archetypical father to show up in this way, clean, comfortable, radiant. And it's representing the potential, which is also why you only encountered this aspect of you from a distance, because it's the potential
0: mm. to
1: have this. It's like, wow, you're yearning for this experience. Like, wow, he looks so good. Why can't he be like that all the time? You know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, uh, it's reflecting how you would like your father archetype to show up and present itself in the world where you desire him to be. And you felt so much happiness and joy witnessing this aspect of you in this light. So that's, that's a good piece of information to keep for the, Mm -hmm. for later. So part four, you're back in your, you go back up to the office. So as you were going through the shops, it was challenging you for you to find out which way it was the office. You're like, I can't quite remember which way it is. And you're navigating your consciousness and your office is a part of your psyche. So this is telling us that this emotional blockage within this aspect of your psyche is not easy for you to find. It's outside of your awareness. It's hidden. Um, And this time you go to the elevator and you call up to the elevator, but no one was answering. So in a dream, anytime you're changing levels, Mm -hmm. you're, you're changing levels within consciousness. So if you're on the ground level going up, you're essentially, you're going up to the higher chakras. If you're Mm -hmm. at ground level and you're going down the stairs or down the elevator, then you're going to the lower chakras, which is where a lot of our trauma is stored. So in this case, you're trying to ascend in consciousness, but nobody's answering. Um, you're trying to ascend to the higher chakras, but they're they're being blocked, and you needed to call your father to be buzzed up, but nobody was answering. Someone was going up, so you tried to actually go in and press floor seven, but it didn't work. So you get out of the elevator again. You're like, I'm trying to go, but it's just not working. Um, this is telling us that there's a blockage on your masculine side that is preventing you from ascending into your higher chakras because Mm. you're calling your father but nobody's answering. Again, you're trying to reach out to the masculine, but nobody's answering. Mm -hmm. So there's a block here on your masculine side that's preventing you from ascending. Um, But then someone else goes in and presses the entire row of seven floors and all four floors, sorry. So the number four in a dream represents like being weighted down by something, something heavy, Mm -hmm. something that needs to be worked through. And the number seven, which is the floor that you were trying to go to represents purity, purification and wisdom. Um, so you follow them in and you try to ride up with someone else using someone else's swipe <laughs> card to get to the floor. <laughs> yeah. So this is also, so the fact that you're, you're trying to go in and use someone else, else's card in the, in the elevator to get up there. This is just kind of like a little thing on the side. It's not really important for the dream, but dreams love to do this. This is also anytime there's any type of behavior in your dream, it's, it's mirroring a behavior that's showing up in your life in multiple ways. So, you trying to use someone else's swipe card is showing up in your life and other behaviors as well, somewhere. And it's probably something I'm trying to
0: kind of ride off something else or take a shortcut or, yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So, when you tried to go in there and you pretend that your number was already pressed, this is so this is reflecting how you're trying to spiritually bypass the work that needs to be done in regards to what the stream is highlighting. So you're yeah. trying to just get to the purity, the purification, the wisdom on 4 seven. You're just like, yo, let me use someone else's swipe card. Let me just spiritually bypass the work that needs to be done. And when you get inside, you realize that the man standing in there is a police officer. And a police officer represents outdated belief systems. It's like things from our past beliefs, ideas, things that are just Whoa. not serving us anymore. So this police officer has a stroller that has a covering over the top so you can't see the baby that's on the inside. There's another police officer in the stroller that is dressed up like a baby as well. It gets trippy. So (laughs) now there's two police officers and the number two represents duality. Like there's something in your personality causing separation, something outside of your awareness. So this is telling us that there are outdated belief systems in relationship to your father, internal and external at the time, And in relationship to your inner child and being a parent that are outside of your awareness and preventing you from purification and wisdom and getting to the office. Mm. So there was a covering over the baby stroller. So you couldn't see the baby. This makes me wonder if you have like a good connection with your inner child, or in some ways, maybe you're blocking yourself from seeing that part of you. If this, you also said that there was a shift between a stroller and, um, and a wheelchair so if if the cop was a disabled person in a wheelchair, then this is representing an aspect of you that you think is disabled. Mm. You're ashamed of this part of you. And since he was in the stroller, it tells me that it's a relationship to your inner child. Um, mm. You think some aspects of your inner child are disabled.
0: Yeah. You know what? Some of this feeling that I've been having navigating this situation is like... Um, you mentioned the word spiritual bypassing. Like I think um, what I used to do a lot of in my life was like take the high road and like put myself in a position where I came or I thought I was coming across as like superior because I would stuff down any emotions and show up like emotionless. So it would be kind of like the other person is a bit emotional and I'm like solid. Um, And that's what I feel like I did at some point in my life as I was trying to probably pendulum, swing, counterbalance the fact that I've been a highly emotional, highly sensitive person my entire life. So I went through this period of like almost the way that I would manage conflict would be to take this superiority and like um, almost make the other person – yeah, I can't fully explain it, but there is remnants in what's happening now showing up of who I used to be, and I'm struggling because I don't want to bring those elements in, and I'm trying to understand how to be my most authentic, um, and in my highest alignment and truth, and grow through it. Um, but I'm finding it really hard to get the outcomes and to lead, and and I think a lot of it is because I. It's not just me and somebody trying to navigate something. It's like me and my company and my team trying to navigate something with another company, another team, group of people. So it's very kind of public. So I'm like putting all this pressure and stuff on myself and there's a lot of judgment on how I am leading and how I am navigating these waters.
1: Yeah, and that that judgment, that pressure, those parts of you are feeling that. So whenever there's pressure internally, then you're pushing those parts of you away and you're you're keeping them in shadow. So the Mm -hmm. thing that you're actually trying to integrate, you're not able to integrate because you're seeing it as something that you don't want anymore, something that Mm -hmm. you can't have present itself. Well, that energy is felt on the inside and they're like, well, shit, I'm just going to do what I did in the past, which is rear my head through behaviors that aren't serving me to get your attention until you look at me with love and compassion and you allow me in. Mm. Okay. So part five. Um, so you get off the elevator, you're finally up there, purified, <laughs> perfect. i have a boat, I'm a So, um, you go to try to find your dad and you walk past a bigger office on the right. And remember on the right is service to others. Very good uh-huh. service to the world. And you hear your father's voice. Um, and this was a bigger office. So this is saying in order to expand your consciousness, because this is another part of your psyche. So in order to expand your consciousness, because now you're on the seventh floor, it's a bigger office, um, because the office is bigger. So to be of service to others in a bigger way, you will have to find harmony between all of these aspects of you that are present in this room and within this building. So Mm -hmm. all of those, your father and your father's business partner and his assistant and all of those aspects were in this room. Suggesting that when you find harmony between them, you will be able to serve others in a grander and a more expansive way. And you, you again, you're watching, you're observing this Mm. aspect of you, which, like right now, is making me think that this is probably how you, ooh, yeah, this is how you experience your masculine. You experience your masculine from afar. It's like Mm. because you're trying to be so in, like in a role within your masculine, show up in such a specific way, you're not actually embodied. You're, you're Mm. viewing your masculine from a distance, which is creating this disconnect. Wow. Yeah. And I think,
0: (laughs) yeah, I think you're right because I think I embodied my masculine for most of my life. And then when I started working with ayahuasca last year in May, I really understood the feminine energy in me and embraced that and went through a period of actual rejection of the masculine within me. And I, you know, I needed to work through and heal that, which I think I did at the start of this year when I was back at Soltara working again and healing a lot of that toxic, toxic masculine. So I think I'm in a phase actually, and maybe I didn't have as much awareness about this, where I'm actually really relearning how to embody a healthy masculine. Um, yeah, that's what's coming to me as you're talking. And I think right now I'm being challenged by something that needs some masculine energy. And I don't quite know. It's like, I I do feel as though I've healed that toxic masculine because it doesn't feel right. It's not the path I want to go down. It's like, even if I think about doing it, I'm like, I know that's not going to get me the outcomes and it doesn't feel wholesome, but I don't quite actually know how to like tap the powerful, strong, healed masculine to move through this situation.
1: Well, the the fact that you have awareness of all of this now, it's just going to, the answer will present itself as you need it. You'll probably get another dream to help you to do that. But just knowing that just allowing all aspects of you in with love will help you to do that as well. And this dream is speaking to you already doing that. Like mm. the fact that they're all in the room, your father's laughing and smiling. It's like, you're making progress. You're still not in the room with them. You're still viewing it from afar, but they're all in this space and you are working towards that integration. Mm-hmm. So to continue on with the analysis, he didn't ha- you're like viewing from outside the office and you notice that he didn't have the nice clothes on him anymore. Um, He was wearing his ill-fitting clothes. So this tells me that your desire for your father to dress up nicely, and perhaps this is the evolution of your father archetype, but there's still work that needs to be done before that transition is permanent. Since you snuck onto the elevator and spiritually bypassed, then your father wasn't dressed in the way that you expected because the old version of of your father archetype showing up again. So every time you spiritually bypass and Honestly, this situation that you're describing right now where you're, you're being tasked with showing up with healthy masculine, I think this is that opportunity to, to not spiritually bypass. Like this dream probably brought that experience to you. So now this is in your awareness. You know what you need to do. Now, can you actually do it in the waking life experience? Can you yeah. embody what you know you need to do?
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so... Um, this is saying that, yeah, you can still be of service to others and be happy since he's smiling and laughing, but perhaps you won't reach your potential if you don't attend to all the work that needs to be done. So yeah, you're you're successful. You'll continue to be successful. But this version of you that, you know, you, that you can be this like radiant version of you, like showing up like beautifully, it's not possible if it's not integrated. So Mm -hmm. when you let go of those outdated belief systems and you find harmony with those aspects of self, then your father archetype will transform and evolve. Um, and another thing that I want to mention here is that these outdated belief systems and we kind of just brushed over cause it was really quick, but this is saying that the work that needs to be done is in your inner, inner child. It's probably mm. your inner masculine child, your, um, like younger masculine version of yourself in relation to your father. And a lot of the time that's hard to honestly, to, to accept that mm. we have childhood trauma that could have been with an amazing relationship with the parent, but it's saying that. Those outdated belief systems are in relation to your inner child. And yeah, so that's where you're going to find your answer and be able to show up in the way that you need to. And there's a book that, I don't know if this is the place to share it, but it feels appropriate. So absolutely changed my life. It's called the five personality patterns and Mm -hmm. it is, it maps out the developmental trauma that people experience. And this is everybody, we all have one to two patterns that we go into depending on the generational or the childhood trauma that we experienced during each of the developmental phases. And there's five of them. And this was like the answer to a question I didn't even know to ask, but having this book and reading this book is like this, this is part of my life's work because it's a profound map of understanding the internal landscape of our inner child and working with other people. Now I can look at people and understand their childhood wounds. So I think that's a great resource for you. If if, if it calls to you, I can share. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm
0: always down to explore that stuff. Like I have done quite a bit of inner child work and core wound work, but that one sounds like a good one. So we'll definitely check it out and we'll include it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. Krista, or what's her, what's her name? Uh, Adrian and Christine Hassler did a workshop based on this book. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So to continue on, um, you never got to interact with your father at all. And this tells me that there's a dynamic between you and your inner father archetype, but also in relationship to your father. um, when he was here where you're constantly waiting to interact, but not quite hitting the mark, there's an off note between these dynamics within you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. So transitioning to part six, um, you were leaving the office building Now you're leaving, you're almost done. You're like, okay, I'm leaving, getting out of here. And there's three people sitting at the reception desk, which represents a completion of an old phase and a transition into a new one. And you said that you went to see your friend and at first it was this man that you knew, but it ended up being his sister and their mother just passed away. So when someone passes away in a dream, it represents like a symbolic ending of something. So this is suggesting, and with the number three, this is telling you that this dream has now initiated an ending of an old phase and a transition into a next one, which you've already identified as like, Mm -hmm. you you see the gap of where you were and where you want to be and you're you're actually making that transition right now. Um, But a common theme in all of these parts of the dream, uh, of this dream, is your inability to communicate with the masculine parts of you throughout the entire dream. From the Mm. beginning, you couldn't talk to your dad's business partner. You couldn't see or interact with (laughs) your father. And in this part, it was the man at first But then he he turned into the. When I was
0: talking, it was his sister. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: So you end up having to communicate to the feminine aspect instead for whatever reason, and this is like, you're right. You completely like blocked out the masculine, which is typical. Like with my ex, this is exactly the same work that she did. Mm -hmm. Like she was toxic masculine, worked on her feminine, realized that her masculine had put her feminine in a cage, and so resisted the the masculine energy. So now it's like using that loving, compassionate energy of the divine feminine to bring back in the masculine.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, More work to do. Always. <laughs> Always.
1: <laughs> Always. <laughs> and these love big it. dreams, it's like, they're pretty disheartening because it's like, damn, it showed so much work. Wow, I thought I was oh, so man. bald, <laughs> But it's all of us.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling very like... <laughs> I am not on floor seven right now. I am definitely back down on the wandering around that shopping center lost.
1: <laughs> and the fact that your dreams are so so long and expansive, it just speaks to the amount of work that you do because there's more space for information, which means that your soul is is freaking ancient, that you've done mm. so much work. And so you're gifted with so much more data points because you can handle it. You can handle the expansiveness of the work that needs to be done. So you need to ask yourself what this girl represents to you, um, this this man's sister, as you were giving advice to your friend. And anytime that you're speaking or you're teaching or giving advice, you're actually giving advice to the part of you that that person represents. So you're giving advice to the feminine aspect of you. And you need to ask yourself, what does she represent to you? Because that's the part of you that you're speaking to. And oh, what, come, was, what
0: comes to me there, sorry, is... Because I think the advice that I was giving was like, you know, you'll, you'll get used to it. You'll find a way through this. So it was, it almost feels to me like, cause she just found herself again, the feminine in me, right. Last, last May, she just, for after 38 years, she existed again. And now we're trying to bring the masculine back. I don't know. That's, what's coming to me that I'm saying, like, you know, you're not, it's not like you're not dying. It's not over. Maybe you're dying as the entire dominance because we do need balance here, and you'll get used to finding balance or something. I don't know. That's that's what's yeah. Going to
1: that's me. exactly right. Like that is exactly it. So the the mother dying is just representing like this transition, this this symbolic ending. And you're like, yo, we'll get through this. It's not it's not what you think it is. Let mm-hmm. me know when your brother is back. Like suggesting that that shift is is bringing the masculine back, like allowing mm-hmm. him back in. So you got it exactly. You gotta believe in yourself. You're so good at this. So So she was also, this part of you was stuck in the ground and you said it was kind of like she was looking up at you and you're looking down at her. And like I said, anytime you're in the ground level or whenever you're like underneath the ground, it's speaking to the lower chakras. So this tells me that there's a block in your root chakra. Mm -hmm. And that is, that would also speak to the inner child work that needs to be done and um, feeling safe enough to allow your masculine back in, things like that. And then the last and final part, and it's just ironically or synchronistically happens to be part seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back in the shopping mall part again, and you're you're walking somewhere else all randomly. And this it feels like it was an independent dream. It's still in the same dream place, but it's just another lesson kind of added on to the end. And you run into this woman and you don't recognize her. So this is telling me that she's a part of yourself that you don't recognize. So an a-, a shadow aspect of your feminine that you just haven't really communicated with much. She's like really in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the, the woman's kind of sinister and she's like laughing at you, being mean to you. Um, and this woman believes that a home birth will wreck you and just completely destroy you and, and be really bad for you. And this is reflecting your unconscious beliefs and fears of what others will think of you in the world. And since there's two of you at this part, two represents duality. So there's something in your your personality causing separation And you probably think, And what I think that is, is that you probably think you're confident about this because you've stood up to it. You, you believe it, but there are unconscious fears that are still present
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you pull out three books and you're like, yo, when you read these three books, then you can talk to me about this. Um, so three again, represents a completion of an old phase and a transition into a new one in terms of this, this birthing situation. Not, Mm -hmm. it's not the other stuff anymore. And books represent potential wisdom. So this tells me that you're actually beginning to shift your beliefs and become more embodied with the wisdom and your stance on the subject. Mm. And the way I like to think about this is that this is a special type of dream. This last part, I call them, I haven't really finalized the name yet, but I call them like, um, like opportunity dreams or situational experience dreams. It's kind of like, in waking life, we're faced with challenges. Just like you said, you're trying to figure out how to approach the situation with a healthy masculine. That is another opportunity to learn. It's a situational experience. Some dreams are just complete narrative. There's, no, there's not really consciousness to interact back and forth. This last one <clears throat> was a full-blown situational experience, giving you the opportunity to show up in the way that you know that you should and that you have been in your waking life. Because you said you've been really confident. You feel really good about your stance on this, sharing it with people. Well, this was another part of you is like, how are you going to interact? How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with fear? Or are you going to respond with love and understanding? Um, so this was just another opportunity to grow just like in our waking life moment. And it was like another opportunity for you to be tested, to respond, to, to see how you would respond when you're challenged on your stance on the subject and you pass the test because you handled it with grace and which tells me that you're probably like really close to completely healing, whatever that is.
0: Mm, amazing. Oh, that was so good. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing because it was a couple of weeks ago and like a few other things have unfolded since then. Um, and yeah, just as I'm hearing you talk and thinking about like where I've gotten to and what I've moved through since and how it has been like quite confusing and quite challenging for me, and that struggle to understand where I'm meant to go with all of this and how I'm meant to handle myself. But um, I feel like I've navigated to a point now that I feel like fairly comfortable with. But I'm definitely gonna. At the moment, I'm kind of. What am I doing with it right now? I'm kind of. I kind of. I had a conversation. I said my piece. How I was feeling expressed myself in a calm manner um but did express myself and now I'm kind of just leaving it and I feel a little bit resigned like I just okay well I don't really know what to do and now I'm using the time more or less actually to reflect back on everything that got me to here and see what I can learn for moving forward but that's this has been really helpful because I think there definitely is something in me learning to embody the healed masculine a little more. that and diving into that inner child stuff that might be behind that. So, I'm super curious to do that. Thank you.
1: You're so welcome. This is exciting <laughs> because there's so much there.
0: <laughs> uh, it's so amazing. I feel like, um, I mean, people who listen to this show already know how my inner world is. If you've been listening for however long I've been doing, a year and a half, it's like, <laughs> this is a lot that goes on in here. <laughs> and now that I'm getting into the dream space, I'm like, oh, but whoa, like it's almost like when I hear back my whole dream that I said to you and like, that could be any night of the week. I'm like, well, there's just like so much going on all the time. Like
1: it's quite, <laughs>
0: quite hard for me sometimes to navigate so it all. But
1: <laughs> One other thing that's a little bit of um, important when it comes to dreams is that the dream that you're having that night is the most important thing that you need to know that day. Mm. So when you have a dream that of anything, ask yourself what was happening in the last few days of my life, because Mm -hmm. they're most of the time they're speaking to events. And a lot of the time it's just events that you are acting with the energy of your past. And that's why it's based in the past.
0: Yeah. So interesting. I think last night I had this dream that I was on a ship and in the dream, I knew the ship was going to crash. Um, it was almost like I, I saw it and then I was back on the ship. And so I knew the ship was going to crash. And I was trying to tell the people, there was two people that I was working with, I was trying to tell them it was going to crash. We need to get off the ship. And they weren't really believing me, but I didn't, I was like, I know, so I'm I'm going to hop off. And then we we had to pass through this like tight canal thing. And that was an opportunity to get off because as we went through, we were like right by the shore. So we could just go down this spiral staircase and get off. And I like took as many people off the ship as I could with me, like a a few hundred or something, but there was like thousands on there. So I couldn't save everybody, but I was just going at the end. I like scooped all these people in my, these little mini people in my arms and took them all off. And then when I got (laughs) off on the shore, (laughs) um, I like, I was trying to tell them like, they can't, you can't stay here on the shore because next thing that was going to happen was the water was going to whoosh down this canal. Like there was more water coming. I was trying to tell them they weren't all listening to me. And then some of the little people turned into like, um, like little, um, prawns or with shrimps. And some of them turned into like spiders and stuff. And I was like flipping them over so that they could walk away. But I was like, I have to just leave them. Like I've done as much as I can. You know, if they're not going to listen to me, I've just got to move on. And I felt like it was, but the reason why I'm just sharing it, you don't need to analyze the whole thing because I don't want to like take too much of your time and brain power. But I was thinking boundaries has been such a big theme for me this year, and you just jogged my memory because at the end of that last dream, I was setting this boundary kind of thing with this woman, and as you were explaining that, it felt like I was acting out how to how to ha- have a boundary. I suppose I was having this mm-hmm. enactment of it. And last night, the dream that was the theme that I kind of had analyzed myself when I came out of the dream was it was all about boundaries and and also um, boundaries and sticking with my truth I was like well I know it's going to crash I'm going to tell you you can choose to come with me or not and then I'm really going to do my best to like save as many people as I can and help them but there's only so far that I can go like if you're not going to listen to me then I'm I'm just going to carry on so it was kind of like a me just knowing and going on my mission and trying to bring people along the way but not like wasting not not overextending myself to the point where I would be at, at detriment which is interesting because I feel like I'm moving through that a lot in my life and I'm with this new company and everything I'm doing I'm very much like pioneering almost um, what I'm building and there are people in the vortex that are like or oh, I don't know if that will work or are you sure about this and there's a lot of this part of me that has to like always just be like, just don't worry about that energy. Like, just keep going, just keep going. So, yeah.
1: So what's coming up for me with that is like, one thing to keep in mind is that oftentimes dreams are so like multidimensional and dynamic that they'll be speaking to like four different levels of existence. So while you saw the boundaries aspect, I saw something completely different and they're all, (sighs) they're all true. That's the thing is like, they're so brilliant. Once you get to like understand the language of your dreams, you're like, wow, I'm so brilliant. <laughs> it's well, I mean, and time. I
0: feel like I get that like surface level, whereas like I never could have got all that stuff that you were explaining to me about that last dream and that whole masculine feminine thing. Like that's not what came to me really with it at all. And navigating this difficult situation, I, I purposely didn't overthink it because I wanted to hear what you would say. But I don't think I was going down that path. So, okay, tell me yeah, a little bit so, about the. One so one. you're on
1: you're on a <laughs> boat on the ocean, right? So water in a dream, water in a dream, unless it's like crystal clear and beautiful, it's the energy of the water. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, water in a dream represents like dense, heavy emotions, sorrow. And it was nighttime and it was dark. Nighttime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the darkness within you and a boat, just like a car, it's your ability to navigate your spiritual path, but over emotional waters and the boat's Mm. crashing. So this is honestly, it's probably a prophetic dream saying that you're about to, you're about to crash like something Mm. in your life. Is coming to a tight, a tight part. It's like kind of a, a little bit of a prophetic dream because it's not an actual vision of the future. But I think it's suggesting to just be aware that your boat, your ability to navigate the, your emotional waters, in the way that you have in the past, is it's narrowing. So, can you explain that part again? Where it's you're coming to the narrow part, and that's your opportunity to get off. And what else?
0: Yeah. So, what happened was. Because I knew I had the foresight that it was going to crash. What happened was we were cruising along. We go past this other ocean liner, and then I see the city skyline of like New York City up ahead. And something in me is like, "Well, we're going straight for it." And I know that we're meant to have like ten hours left on this boat ride, so we should not be heading in that direction. And then the boat starts to try to turn, but I can tell it doesn't Which have enough direction. Um, right.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: So the boat service to others. Turn right, yep. And it doesn't have enough like um, uh, it's going too fast to be able to turn quickly enough. And I'm not exactly sure how it transitioned to this, but somehow what, what happened in the dream was that before it hit something or whatever, there was this, we were going through this like, it was almost like a dried up riverbed. Somehow we go from being in the ocean to a dried up riverbed and I'm able to go down this spiral staircase and hop off the side of the boat onto the gravelly dried up riverbed and take all those people with me and then the boat's just completely gone and I'm in a dried up riverbed and next thing I know I'm trying to tell people like there is the water is going to flood through here we need to get out of this dried up riverbed and there was actually a girl there was a um of course, there's like way more to that dream than I just told you. I was trying to be <laughs> fast. There's a there's a like burnt out empty car at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the riverbed, and this okay, girl. Okay, right, right. is... let's
1: let us let let's do this in chunks. So okay. back to the boat. So I can so I can remember everything. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. So the boat. This is this is so important. Like the little aspects you just added. So the boat is going really fast, and you were yep. supposed to turn right. So this is this is speaking to your speed that you're navigating your emotions. It's kind of like. Like you're just kind of speeding through your emotional cleansing, your emotional feeling and healing. It's like, let's just go, let's get it over Mm. with. I don't want to feel my emotions, but it's preventing you from turning right from serving others because these emotions that are, that are clogged up inside of you, if you don't tend to them and you slow down and tend to them, you're going to crash. So Mm. you're, you're coming up to this dry riverbed, which is like the part of you that doesn't, that doesn't feel emotions most likely. And Mm. you're getting off. And and going from the top of the boat down is speaking to going into um, trauma, like root chakra, sacral chakra, and solar plexus, because you're going down. Mm-hmm. Then what happened?
0: <laughs> yeah. So Okay. So then I get off with all those people. I felt like I did two rounds of getting people off. And the first time they were like fully grown people. And the next time I had all those like little people and then they turned mm-hmm. into creatures. And then I'm at the bottom. The boat's gone now. I'm in a dry, rocky riverbed. Knowing that water's gonna gush through any minute now. And there is a like burnt out shell of a car. And there's two, there's one woman in there who's and then one woman at the door. And she's, I think, told the other girl to go in. And she's trying to get me to go in as well. She's like, let's sit in the car. It's cold because this is all taking place at night. She's like, let's be in the car because it's cold. You have to be. And I was like, you cannot be here. The river, the water is going to come down here. You can't be here. And she was trying to convince me. I was like, no. And I just kept going. And I think I might've, after that gone, and got more people off. And then that's when I flipped those little prawns over. And then I just like left. (laughs) I don't remember what happened after that.
1: Okay. So these, all the people that you were getting off were just aspects of you. So it's like the parts of you that you're saving from Mm. the, it's like, what makes me think of is because we're about to go through a really powerful astrological portal on December 21st. So it's the part of you that like, you just have to leave behind. They're just not serving you. They're not coming with you. But mm. there's also this torrential like river coming for you. Like you're about to experience something very emotional, most likely. Oh. And these parts, <laughs> sorry. I <can> <laughs>
0: these, it.
1: these parts of you, this woman's like, yo, let's get in this car. And it's burnt out. It's not going anywhere. So it's like the older v- version of you that, that wants to just sit and stay. Cause it's, mm. was it cold out? And she wanted just the comfort of being in the car.
0: Yeah. It was some form of safety aspect. It, it, like she was just trying to take shelter or whatever.
1: Yeah. It's just an aspect of your shadow that is trying to hang on to the past. And it's like not, not understanding that who you're becoming isn't who you were and that you have to do something else.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Were there any other witness. parts of that?
0: Um, I think that's all I really remember. I don't really remember like, where I went, I have this vague recollection that I, I went off like adventuring kind of thing. Um, but I can't remember what that was, but I, I, I left. I was like, i out. I got to go. Like, nobody's really listening to me. I got to keep going. Um, and I don't think anyone came with me. So I lost like more than half the people on the boat. Then I lost the people in the car and then all the little mini people and the prawns and everyone, they just, <laughs> I had to, I had to just keep going. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> that means that you have to leave your past behind. It's like yeah. you're becoming someone that you're not even going to recognize, mm-hmm. and that's true for everyone on the planet right now. We are yeah. all going through a collective ego death, and the people that we emerge as on the other side of this in the next year are we're not even going to recognize.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do feel like I mean, Joe and I got married on October 22nd, so like less than two months ago, and I felt like. I actually did like some cord cutting rituals around. I decided to change my name because Mm. I really felt coinciding with me. There's so much healing that's come out of this relationship that I'm in with him, this sacred union. And it's like, one, it's to honor us and our family and all of that. But two, it's honoring myself and who I've become and that I am a new person and I want to step into that fully and let go of the past. And I did a whole lot of cord cutting rituals and we we actually did our own little ceremony before our official ceremony just the two of us in our hotel room where we just honored the past and thanked it and left it where it was Mm. as we move forward into the next stage of our life so I feel like I'm kind of in this phase of very much of like letting go and that feels like I can feel that energy on the planet as well as you're referring to um and then I also did Bufo for the first time about a week and a half ago yeah wow yeah (laughs) So that was, I did that in between that other dream and now. And what's really interesting is, I mean, yeah, for those who have done Bufo, you know, and for those who haven't, it's you pretty much complete ego dissolution. Like that is the ultimate ego death. You become nothing. Um, And thankfully I have a lot of integration tools because it was intense. I haven't had a blast off like that in Ayahuasca. I haven't had a full Dissolution. I know some people do experience it in ayahuasca, but I haven't. I've had moments of being one and being everything, and my body kind of fading away. But very different to this, like bright white nothingness—you do not exist—and then you come back. And uh, I, I feel like it. I've done so much work to heal the abandonment wound, and that has come in layers. You know, the first discovery of it was so incredibly painful. And, and the healing at that point was so difficult. And then there's more and more and more and more and more layers. And, you know, I felt really comfortable with where I've been at with it in the last six months or what have you, but it even only it's less than two weeks since I did Bufo. And I, I feel this new layer of healing or letting go or something, because it's like Bufo just helped me see that there's just stories. It's just meaning making that we've Mm. put on everything, but we, when you lose your entire ego, like there's nothing, I I can't even, I'm still probably trying to put words around it, but there have been a few things that have happened that would usually at least trigger some of that old abandonment wound that I'm like, Oh, it's almost like I (laughs) can see the thought, like a fly in the corner. And I'm like, that's funny that that fly used to be a fucking monster that would jump on my back and like start suffocating me.
1: Hmm. That's such a beautiful way to think about it. Wow. That's so beautiful. That's like a felt experience because that's how it is. (laughs) As you're peeling back the layers, it becomes smaller and smaller.
0: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a profound couple of weeks and some pretty profound dreams. So I'm really grateful for you helping me through them.
1: You're so welcome. This is exciting. (laughs) And hopefully this inspires your listeners. Yeah. To, to remember their dreams.
0: Definitely. And obviously you do this, um, you know, you can do this for people if they're interested in reaching out and, um, you do like individual sessions, but you also do like packages and things like that. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So right now I have two different packages. It's, um, three packages and these are, these will be like WhatsApp dream packages where you message the you message the dream over on WhatsApp or whatever communication you, you prefer. And, you have 3 dreams or 5 dreams and with the 3 dreams i do a 15 minute zoom call and with the 5 dreams i do a 30 minute zoom call and those dreams and the calls can be used at any point um like if people want to get all three of their dreams analyzed and then jump on a call to kind of dive deeper or if they have some questions beforehand and things like that um and for returning clients i also have like hour long sessions 30 minute long sessions but it doesn't make sense to to get on a 30 minute or an hour long call. If I don't, if I haven't interacted, with that person's psyche mm-hmm. before. Um, and they can reach out to me on, on Instagram. Uh, it's at Traven Nesta. And there's a link to, if you want to, like the first dream is always free. So there's a link to book a session with me to get your first dream analyzed for free. If, if you like it, you can get more.
0: Uh, it's amazing. We'll definitely include all of that in the show notes. And, um, If your dreams are like mine, it's 300% more expensive (laughs) because there's like seven dreams in one.
1: (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, Um, so that one, that dream would have counted as one.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I, I hope your workload isn't too much from other people. <laughs> no, it's amazing. You're super talented. You've been super helpful for me. Um, this is like kind of a bit of a unique episode of In My Truth. Usually, we dive into like what's going on for you and what's going on for me. But today was a little bit all about what's going on for me. So, thank you for giving me your time. And I would always love to have you on the show anytime if you have a profound dream or situation that you want to take us through um that you kind of feel like talking releasing talking about whatever like the door is always open you've been a phenomenal guest really value the work you do in the world and just grateful to know you so thank you so much for coming on today
1: yeah of course thank you so much for having me it's so fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> well another episode down and that one was definitely a unique one um holy moly, my mind is blown. I have some work to do on stepping into that divine masculine. So I'm super excited for that. If anyone has any resources, feel free to point them my way. and I'll definitely keep you updated on my journey as I move forward. Um, Quick other news for you. Joe and I have our own show coming up. It's called Love and Life Podcast. So look out for that on our social media and everything. We're going to have a trailer episode up soon and you can subscribe. Um, we've got a website coming and all those kinds of things that we're putting the finishing touches on as I record. So yeah, check out Love and Life podcast if you want to learn more about what our sacred union is all about, what it's like to consciously relate, um, get the the inside story on getting engaged and our wedding and our pregnancy and all sorts of things. Um, jump on over. We would love to have you. And of course, if you enjoy this show, I would super appreciate a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on. Thank you, loves.